0: We're going to begin in the, the book of Ephesians, chapter number four, and we're going to end up in the back in the book of First Timothy, chapter one. Several weeks ago, we've been studying, uh, began studying in First Timothy, and a lot of the books of Timothy is is Paul writing to him about uh, about going into the ministry, and that's what Jesus and uh, has called all of us to do. Is commission the entire church to do is that whenever we are saved, we are put into the ministry. Uh, And and that's kind of what Paul is teaching Timothy throughout uh, this study here. And and that's kind of what we're going to be focusing on is God putting us into the ministry. And tonight we're going to look at uh, two scriptures that coincide with one another. Both letters straight from Paul, one to Timothy, one at the church of Ephesus. So we'll begin in in Ephesians chapter number four, verse number one. Ephesians chapter number four, verse number one. Paul said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. And Paul here is talking to saved people. So what is that vocation wherewith they are called? He said, I, I ask you, I beseech you, I beg you, I hope that you will walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Being saved people, they are called to be witnesses for Christ. That's what the book of Acts says. Jesus tells us that we are to be teachers and preachers. That's what the book of Mark says. And we are to spread the gospel. And so that is the vocation wherewith we are called to be uh, as we would want to be Christians that is where we're supposed to be to want to be to try to be to strive to be to work to be Christians we will never be an actual Christian be a Christian means to be Christ-like we will never actually be there but we can we can strive for it Paul told us ever over and over again he said strive for perpe- per- for perfection we'll never get there but we're never supposed to stop trying either in Ephesians he said, Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. So if we're going to be a Christian, if, if we're going to try to be a Christian, if we're going to strive to be a Christian, then we have to walk worthy of someone being called a Christian. Now flip over if you would to Timothy. First Timothy chapter number one. What is the first thing that people say is whenever whenever you ask them what they think of church people? What's the first thing they say? A oh, whole bunch of hypocrites every time i mean every time we started bible club at school and the first thing that i asked them whenever they came in i asked them, I said, what does everybody think church people are kids sixth grade seventh grade eighth grade we didn't have a lot of seniors mostly junior high a couple of ninth and tenth graders and these kids 12 13 14 15 16 years old they knew that whenever you're talking about church people, people think they're hypocrites. Why? Because people are not walking worthy of the vocation wherewith they're called. They, people call themselves a Christian. They, they join church and they sit on the front pew on Sunday morning. But they miss Sunday school. And they're a little hungover from the night before. And so they sit there and they say, I'm a Christian. But the world saw them drunk yesterday. The world sees them cussing and fussing and throwing a fit during the week. And then they see them come to church and say, I'm a Christian. If that is us, then, then we don't live a life that is worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. If we do not share the love of Jesus Christ, which is, which is the gospel, well, we can say it in, in as many different ways and as, twist it up as much as we may want to, but the gospel of Christ, the, the gospel of the Bible, is love. That is it. Jesus came, why? Because of love. God spared Noah and his family wine because of love. God is merciful to the human race wine because of love. God sent his son because of love. God established his church because of love. God put us into the ministry because of love. He told us that we are to be missionaries. We are to be teachers, preachers. We are to be witnesses. And God put... Well, let's go ahead and read it. 1 Timothy 1, chapter 12. 1 Timothy 1, chapter 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. He put us here. I know I've said it before. I think it was here. The sycamore tree is not native to Jerusalem. It's not native to the land of Israel. It's not supposed to be there. And it's a different sycamore tree than we have here. But it's still not supposed to be there. It originated west of Egypt. And so for a sycamore tree to end up in the place where Jesus was at was an accident. It wasn't supposed to happen. It wasn't supposed to be there. And yet, years and years and years before Zacchaeus needed the sycamore tree, God put the sycamore tree there on purpose. Zacchaeus didn't know it. The tree didn't know it. God put it there. God puts us exactly where He wants us. We may not know the reason, but we are there for somebody. That tree supported Zacchaeus. We are there to support somebody. That tree showed Zacchaeus Jesus. We are put in our place to show people Christ. Paul said he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Whenever Jesus died for our sins and we believed in him to the saving of our soul, at that moment, at that minute, at that second, at that very instant, God put us into the ministry. Just like that. They say, and and, and I was was called to be a a preacher. I was called to be a minister. I didn't want to be. I really like teaching. I still like teaching i didn't feel worthy i still don't feel worthy, but it's the greatest calling that could have been put on my life, and I strive to to do God justice to, to live a life that will be pleasing to him and it's it's all for him because he put me here and he puts you where he puts you and he puts you in this church and he puts you in front of people each and every day that you have an opportunity to be a witness to. Do we witness? Do we allow them to see Christ in us? I I won't ever forget it. And probably 50 years from now, I still won't. Because when I say it had a mind-blowing impact on me, it it really did. And it was just a little while ago this past spring, I was in the hospital at St. Tammany. I think it was St. Tammany. I'm almost almost positive it was St. Tammany. I was trying to get in. And and I mentioned uh, Brother Tim's name. Wasn't it St. Tam? Was he a St. Tammy? It was St. Tammy, Okay. I don't remember that part, but I remember the important part. I mentioned his name and somebody said, yes, I know him. And I know his family. And they have all been preaching to us ever since he got here. It was one of the, the nurses' receptionists. Somebody noticed said that. And that hit me just as hard, right between the eyes, as anything else ever has and probably ever will. Because just a little while before that, in January, I spent... Three days in St. Tammany Hospital with my wife. And to the best of my knowledge, I didn't tell anybody about Jesus. Three days, there was nurses coming in and out. And for three days, I didn't ask anyone if they knew Christ. I can use excuses like I was preoccupied. But God put those people in that room and he gave me an opportunity to tell them about Jesus and I didn't. God put those people in the room in the same place as Brother Tim's family. And they told, about, they told him about Jesus. That hit me hard. Because God counts us worthy to put us into the ministry. God counts us worthy whenever he gives us an opportunity to share Jesus. Whenever he gives us a chance to invite someone to church. Whenever he gives us a chance to bring someone to church. That is an opportunity to minister. The, the cradle to the cross thing, and, and I mentioned this at Pine last week. It's an opportunity to minister to people that otherwise would never darken the door of a church. Whenever the, the Gideons goes into schools and distributes Bibles, it's an opportunity to minister to, to kids that otherwise probably wouldn't come in. The shoeboxes that we sent off is an opportunity to minister to kids that will never walk in Harmony Baptist Church. They're not going to do it. a good chance they won't ever walk into the church anywhere. But it's an opportunity to minister unto them. And God gives us those opportunities. He blesses us with it. Not only that, He counts us... Worthy. But I want to back up in this in this verse, and we'll probably only only get to verse number twelve today. But he says, I thank Jesus Christ, excuse me, Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me. Who hath enabled me? I know I've mentioned it before, I had it written in the back of one of my Bibles. Uh brother Joe Lott was preaching a revival up in Mississippi, and, and we went and heard him and he said something that really stuck with me. He said, God don't call those who are prepared. He prepares those who are called. And we can try and we can want all of our life if God don't want it to happen. Our want ain't going to make it happen. But if God wants us to to be a witness to someone, He's going to put us in front of them. And and He's going to prepare us for that. He prepared Noah to build the ark. Before He even called him to, God prepared him. Because a normal person don't preach for a hundred years and build a massive, humongous boat just on a whim. God prepared him. He had to That would have blown my mind. God prepared. We talked about this Sunday, Moses and Aaron. God prepared Moses and Aaron. The first time that Moses ever saw a rod turn into a snake. Was he standing in front of Pharaoh? It's a trivia question because i missed this for years. He did it twice. Moses saw that rod turn into a snake. Two times. Once, whenever God was proving to him that it was real, he threw that rod down and it turned into a snake. God was preparing Moses. Whenever Moses was out in that wilderness tending his father-in-law's sheep, whenever Moses left the house of Pharaoh, God was preparing him. All of his life, God was preparing him. Whenever Joseph was sold, almost killed by his brother, God was preparing him. Whenever David... Remember what he told Saul? He said, I done killed a bear and I killed a lion. And he said, I'm gonna kill this big old guy out here too. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said. He said, I excuse me, he said, I done killed both of these. Because God has prepared me. God has proven me. God has shown me that He is with me. Throughout the Bible, from, from Genesis to Revelation, we see God has prepared people, God has enabled people. Has God given you the opportunity to be a witness in your life? If someone were to ask you, who is Jesus, what would you tell him? <clears throat> That's not a trivia question. I found out Monday that I'm going to be teaching 7th grade boys Bible, so I'm trying to come up with very interesting questions. And I've always found that that one is a very interesting question. If someone were to ask you, how do you get saved, what do you say? Believe in Jesus? Who is Jesus? We assume as growing up in church that everybody knows who Jesus is. That is a terrible assumption because those who don't grow up in church don't know who Jesus is. Jesus is the most recognizable name on the planet. In any language, Jesus is the most recognized name on the planet. And yet more people die and go to hell than they do die and go to heaven. So where is the break? Where where does it happen? Where do people go from recognizing the name of Jesus but not believing on Jesus? So how do we tell someone what it is to believe on Jesus? We can quote John three sixteen. The Holy Spirit can tug on their heart, but if we're trying to be a witness to someone, if God has put us in the ministry, He hath also enabled us. He has also given us the opportunity. He has also given us the here we go the tools that we need. I don't know. I don't remember who it was. I think it was Brother Terry. I'm almost 100% it was Brother Terry. He said, whenever I go somewhere, I bring my sword. Referring to the Word of God, I bring my tools. God prepares us through His Word. God prepares us by giving us Scripture to read, to memorize. You know I'm terrible at memorizing Scripture. There's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of ways that I fail. But one that I fail the most is that I struggle so much in memorizing Scripture. I get to the point that, that I'll, I'll near about read everywhere because I, quoting just, I'm scared I'll leave a word out because I'm terrible at memorizing scripture. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will call to our remembrance whenever we need it. And you know what happens? Whenever I need to know a scripture, I remember it. God has enabled us, God will allow us to recall, God will give us the tools that we need if we obey Him. If Moses and Aaron had not obeyed God, then they could have thrown that that, that stick on the ground as much as they wanted to and it would have stayed a stick. But they obeyed God and performed miracles in God's name. Paul is telling Timothy here, he said, God has, has counted me faithful to put me in the ministry and He has enabled me. He has given me what I need. He has given me the opportunities that I have. He has given me people to come in contact with. He has given me people to talk to. I know we. I think we've discussed it before. I know we've studied it in Sunday school at least once. But one of the major things that that deter people from being a witness is pride. Because if I try to tell somebody about Jesus, what if they don't want to hear it? If I try to be a witness, what if they don't want to hear it? That's flesh talking. That's that carnal man talking. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says be a witness. The Holy Spirit says tell them about Jesus. The Holy Spirit says. Live it. What are those two words I say all the time? If you're going to tell me you're a Christian, prove it. The book of James, don't say that. The book of James says that faith without works is dead. God has put us into ministry. But if you take, uh, Brave just won the, the World Series, right? So if you take Freddie Freeman, he was a left-handed first baseman. Hit a, I think he hit a home run or two there, and he's been with a brace for forever. But if you take him as a first baseman and you put him on the pitcher's mound, and you take, you give him a, a glove that goes on his left hand, normally one goes on his right hand, and you put him on the pitcher's mound, will he be able to win a game? He's never pitched before. And you put him on the pitcher's mound, will he be able to win a game? He probably won't be able to throw a strike. First basemen, they're hitters. They're not throwers. You can put people wherever you want them to, but that does not give them the skill, that does not give them the ability to make the play. God not only puts us throughout the day, throughout every day, God not only puts us where He wants us, but He gives us the skill. He gives us the ability. He gives us His Word. He gives us His Holy Spirit that lives within us that tells us that shows us, that leads us, that guides us, that enables us. But if you take Nolan Ryan, one of the greatest pitchers of all time, and you put him on the pitcher's mound, and he don't want to pitch that day, is he going to win a game for you? If he don't want to pitch, he don't have to throw a ball. If I don't want to to stand up, there are very few people around that can make me stand up. If I don't want to. Those of you that's raised kids, you understand. There are a few things that you can make a kid do. If they don't want to do it, they'll waddle around in a, on the floor in the middle of the cereal aisle at the supermarket, and they'll scream and they'll kick and they'll cry. And you'll ask, "Hey, whose child is this?" You'll do it. I will. The kid's going to embarrass me. If they don't want to do something, that they don't have to do it. Everything is a choice. And so God enables us. God gives us the opportunity. God gives us the ability. God puts us in the place. But God does not make us be a witness. God does not force us to live a life that others can see Christ through us. God does not force us to tell other people about Jesus. It's not going to happen. He gives us the opportunity, but we have to do it. He hands us the ball. We have to throw it. He gives us everything that we need but we have to obey Him to do it. God puts us into the ministry, but if we're going to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we're called, we have to do. Over and over in the Bible, you read, and there'll be an explanation that, that you are to do this, and you're to live a life, and you're to love all men, and then at the bottom it'll say, so do. Paul says it twice in Ephesians. He said, so do. All this stuff right here, do it. All the stuff that I'm telling you, do it. You know, you can know the Bible backwards and forwards, but if you don't do it, you haven't accomplished very much. You can know exactly, and I used the illustration a while ago, I can tell you how to weld until I'm blue in the face. I'm not a great welder, but I can tell you how to weld. And I can sit here and I can tell you from now to Christmas how to weld. I can tell you all about it, every angle, every little bitty thing that you need to know how to weld. I can draw you pictures, I can show you a video, I can do everything. But until you get that rod in your hand, and you strike that arc, you don't know how to weld. You've done nothing. You've created no heat, you've not melted any metal together, until you take that rod in your hand, and you start welding. God gives us everything that we need in order to be a witness for him. God gives us every tool that it takes. God gives us examples throughout the Bible of his love. And he says, so do. Jesus Christ said, be a witness unto me. God is love, right? And Jesus is God. We believe in the Trinity. Therefore, whenever Jesus says, be a witness unto me. He's saying show love. Show love to all. What do you do with somebody if you love them? You hug their neck? You slap them, high five? Say, hey, what's going on? Do you care about them? Important question is, do you tell them about Jesus? If you love someone, the most important thing in the whole wide world is a person's soul. If you love someone, being concerned about their soul is priority. If you truly love someone, (laughs) being concerned about their eternal destination is priority. And it has to be. Because to love someone, that's what, that's what you're concerned about. You're concerned about their eternity. That's what you care about. is not only them in the here and now, but them in eternity. And so if I love someone, I present Jesus to them. If I love someone, I show Christ to them. If I love someone, I show love to them. James said, faith without works is dead. If I tell someone about Jesus all day and I never live it, I'm that hypocrite that people hear so much about. If I tell people all about how good of a, a Christian I am and I, I, I do this and I do that and I do the other, and they see something different. Then I have not done anything. I said I have faith. I say I have faith. I I say that I can do it. I say that I'm a witness. I say that I'm a disciple. I say that I'm a a missionary. I say that I'm a witness for Jesus. But I never prove it. That makes me a hypocrite. That makes me someone who is showing the world that I don't love them. And that means we're not a Christian because Christ showed everybody that he loved. Christ loved all men. He came and died for all men. The best of the best to the worst of the worst. Does the Bible say that we're supposed to like everybody? Believe it or not, there are people in this world that I don't like. There are people in Louisiana that I don't like. There are people in Washington Parish that I don't like. There are. I bet you there is that you don't like too. People around here that you don't like. Not always in the church. We, we, we like everybody in church. But there are people around that we don't like. You may run into them every now and then. You're not required to shake their hand. You're not required to hug their neck. But Jesus said, show love unto all men. All men. And that includes women. Show love unto everybody. You ain't got to like them, but you got to love them. If you're going to show love unto them, you're going to present Jesus Christ unto them. Because the biggest change they can have in their life, the the thing that can turn them from left to right the quickest is Christ. It'll happen faster than anything else. It will do them more good than anything else. And showing love to them is presenting Jesus to them. The people that we often neglect is the people that are the closest to us. Those that sit in church next to us every day. Those that are in the back in Sunday school all the time. Those that make it every Sunday and are faithful. Those that make it for discovery. Those that make it for Sunday night. Those that we work with. Those in our family. Those in our household. Oftentimes, those are the ones that we... We don't ask about Jesus because they're in church. If they're in church, why should we ask them about Jesus? Because we should be concerned about their soul, right? We should be. Are we? Do we ask our family members how do they stand with Jesus? Do we talk about the Bible in our house? Do we study the Bible in our house? Do we pray? Are we living a life outside of those two black glass doors back there? That is the same life that we live inside these two black doors. Whenever we drive away and it turns into Thursday, are we the same person as we were in church on Wednesday night? Are we showing the same love? Are we showing the same kindness? Are we sharing the same Christ? Paul said to walk worthy of the vocation we're with, we are called. We are called to be witnesses. We are called to be missionaries. We are called to be ministers of the gospel. Each and every saved person of God. I don't have perfect recall. I don't pretend to. I don't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. I'm not even sure I ate breakfast this morning. I have a terrible memory. Some of you can relate. Others cannot. I have a terrible, terrible, terrible memory. But if I, for some reason, God blessed me that I could recall everything I have done from now until January 1 of last year. And I could recall everything. And I could count every person I shared Jesus with and I could count every person I invited to church how many hands would it take if you had perfect recall and you could recall every person that you invited to church in 2021 how many hands would it take could you count them on one hand could you count them on two would you have to take your shoes off would you have to get you some friends to count with you could you count them 2021 has been a long year really long year almost as long as 2020 probably just as long as 2022 is going to be right how many people did we tell about jesus this year how many did we share christ with how many were we an impact on how many were we trying to be a blessing to how many people do we show love toward how much of a witness were we for christ this past year I ask the question all the time and I'm going to ask it one more time tonight and I'm going to close. If I was on trial for being a Christian, if I was on trial and they were trying so hard to convict me of being a Christian, would they find enough evidence to find me guilty? Would there be enough evidence? Do I pray enough? Do I study my Bible enough? Do I tell others that I'm a Christian? Do I show others that I'm a Christian? Do I share the love of God? Do I share His mercy, His long-suffering, His forgiveness, His love for us? If I was on trial for being a Christian, would I be found guilty? Is there enough evidence to convict me? While we have a verse of the song, I'd like to ask for a verse of invitation.